Chapter Twelve, Part One of Bill the Conqueror by P. G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A visitor from Mr. Paradine. However true it may be that action is the spice of life, there is no denying that an occasional dose of the soothing syrup of tranquillity makes a pleasant change. And so, after the scenes, always restless and bordering at times on actual violence, which, in order to keep the record straight, the historian of the fortunes of Bill West has just been compelled to describe, it is agreeable to turn aside and relax for a while in an atmosphere of cloistered and scholastic calm about a month after the departure of flick sheridan from southampton we find ourselves once more in the home of mr cooley paradine at westbury long island in a small upper room looking out over the sunlit garden it is the room dedicated to the studies of mr paradine's adopted son horace and at the moment when we enter it the hard-boiled lad is receiving a lesson in the french language from mr sherman bastable his tutor yes still his tutor it is true that a few weeks ago mr bastable definitely announced that not even so substantial a sum as a million dollars would be sufficient to induce him to continue his duties but the statements a man makes in the first flush of realization that the inside brim of his hat has been doctored with glue are not always carried out when scissors and warm water have done their work and reason resumed its sway scarcely half an hour after the hat had been clipped and scoured off his forehead mr bastable who had begun by sneering at a cool million had reduced his terms so considerably that he actually consented to remain in office for a mere additional fifty per month we find him consequently still doing business at the old stand but the sherman bastable who was now endeavouring to teach horace french was a very different man from the genial and juicily enthusiastic young fellow of a few weeks back he was now a soured and suspicious despot who fortified by instructions from his employer to stand no nonsense had taken on a cold implacability which was having the gravest effects on the latter's comfort of this change in his disposition he gave proof at this very moment seeing that horace like the room in which he sat was looking out over the sunlit garden he banged the table with a forceful fist attend can't you he cried you aren't listening to a word i'm saying all right all right said horace plaintively these passages were beginning to irk him more and more a free child of the underworld he had taken unkindly to discipline and it seemed to him sometimes as though mr bastable had developed all the less amiable characteristics of the late simon legree he removed his gaze from the shady lawn and gaped cavernously don't yawn thundered mr bastable oh all right and don't say all right 
boomed the tutor who had a retentive memory and could never look at his little charge even now without a twinge across the forehead when i speak to you say yes sir smartly and respectfully yes sir said horace a purist might have criticized the smartness and respectfulness of his delivery but the actual words were up to sample and the tutor appeared satisfied at any rate he returned to the task in hand indefinite articles said mr bastable resuming a or an is translated into french by un before a masculine noun as for example un homme a man un oiseau a bird there's a boy on that tree interjected horace switching abruptly from foreign languages to nature study mr bastable favored him with a basilisk glare attend to your work he growled and don't say boyd it's a bird well it's making a noise like a boyd argued horace and un before a feminine noun such as dame proceeded the tutor un dame a lady un allumette a match un histoire a story un plume a pen do you get that i suppose so what do you mean you suppose so well said horace candidly it sounds to me a good deal like applesauce seems there ain't no sense in it the tutor clutched his thinning hair and groaned hollowly that extra fifty dollars a month had raised his salary to a very respectable figure but it frequently occurred to him that he was receiving but trivial payment for what he had to endure seems like there ain't no sense in it he echoed despairingly can't you see that's not grammar i don't know about its being grammar retorted horace with spirit it gets across don't it sir prompted mr bastable automatically sir and don't say don't it say doesn't it or does it not he eyed his pupil wanly the weather was warm and the strain beginning to tell on his sensitive nerves you're incorrigible i don't know what's to be done with you you take absolutely no interest in your work i should have thought that you would have some sense of your position your chances and opportunities oh i know said horace wearily one ought to grasp one's opportunities and try to improve oneself at least once don't say once oh all right yes sir he mended mr bastable eyeing him balefully yes sir the tutor flung himself back in his chair which creaked protestingly do you realize that yours is a position which thousands of boys would give their eyes to be in can't you see that's not grammar said horace much as he disliked these seances it happened now and then that bits of them stuck in his mind oughtn't to end a sentence with in you put me right so i don't mind puttin you right 
Had you that time, hot dog, he said, with a complacency which made the tutor feel, not for the first time, that his favorite character in history was Herod the Great. You wised me up to that yourself. Every tutor is a statesman at heart. He has to be. Mr. Bastable, prudently realizing the danger of his position, instituted a counter-attack by assailing his pupil's pronunciation. "'I wish you would learn to speak properly,' he said with hauteur. "'Your accent is abominable. Here,' he pulled out a massive book, "'it's no good trying to teach you French till you can talk English. Read a page or two of this aloud, and try to do it like a human being, and not—' he searched his mind for an adequate simile, and not like a caddy at a third-rate golf course. "'What's wrong with caddies?' demanded Horace, who was intimate with several, and in leisure moments had occasionally done a bit in that line himself. "'Go on, don't waste time,' said Mr. Bastable, refusing to be diverted to an argument. "'Begin at the top of page ninety-eight horace took the book it was entitled beacon lights of history volume two the middle ages with a disrelish which he made no attempt to conceal it was at this period he began sourly period it was at this period when the convents of europe europe i said europe protested horace aggrieved it was at this period when the convents of europe rejoiced in ample possessions and their churches rivalled cathedrals cathedrals in size and magnificence that saint bernard he broke off mildly interested for the first time say i knew a gink that had a saint bernard big hairy dog with red eyes get on said mr bastable coldly saint bernard the greatest and best representative of med i a vol mon said horace under his breath tenderly massaging his aching jaw was born ten ninety one at fontaine in burgundy 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 he belonged to a noble family his mother had six sons and a daughter whom she early consecrated to the lord bernard was the third son a beautiful delicate refined young man tall with flaxen hair fair complexion and blue eyes from which shone a superhuman simplicity and purity he stopped revolted he did not know much about saints but he knew what he liked and something told him that he was not going to like St. Bernard. Sounds like a cake-eater, he sniffed. 
mr bastable was just drawing himself together for a legree like reproof when there was a gentle tap at the door pardon me for interrupting sir said roberts the butler hovering delicately on the threshold you haven't made me mad bobby horace assured him gratefully what is it roberts professor appleby has called to see master horace sir mr paradine would be glad if you would allow him to step down to the library for a moment his announcement evoked universal enthusiasm horace beamed upon him as people must have beamed on the man who brought the good news from ghent to aix nor was mr bastable displeased he was conscientious and had been prepared to continue his task for another hour but the thought of being relieved of horace's society gave him the sensations of a reprieved convict certainly he said i'm not going to put up any stiff argument neither declared horace he trotted joyfully out of the prison chamber mr bastable with the air of one from whose shoulders there has been removed an intolerable weight lit a cigarette and put his feet on the table the arrival some ten minutes before of the venerable professor appleby had surprised mr paradine at his customary occupation of fiddling about with the books in his library he had just scuttled up the ladder to one of the top shelves and dumped on his already congested table a pile of mouldering volumes when roberts brought the news of the visitor's advent for a moment mr paradine felt a little like a dog who has been hauled off a bone but his native courtesy asserted itself and it was with a cordial smile that he greeted the professor when he made his entry nice of you to look in he said i chanced to be in the neighbourhood said professor appleby and i thought i might venture to call and inquire after the little lad he is busy at his studies no doubt i imagine so uh, won't you take a seat thank you my dear paradine thank you professor appleby relaxed in a chair with the contented sigh of a man who is not in the best condition he tapped his domed brow with a silk handkerchief and combed out his white beard with a delicate forefinger he was looking more like a benevolent minor prophet than ever his mild eyes wandered to the bookshelves and there came into them a sudden predatory gleam which vanished almost instantly to be replaced by their habitual expression of calm goodwill a warm day he observed very do you find it close in here not at all said professor appleby not at all i enjoy the peculiar and distinctive scent of old books i never find it stuffy in a library this was so exactly what mr paradine felt himself that his affection for his visitor deepened and how is horace inquired the professor physically said mr paradine he could not be better but professor appleby raised a deprecating hand i know what you are going to say my dear paradine i know just what you are going to say 
it was on the tip of your tongue to tell me that the little lad is not taking kindly to his studies not very kindly admitted mr paradine mr bastable his tutor reports that it is difficult to get him to take a real interest i expected as much no enthusiasm none it will come said the professor it will come we must have patience paradine patience we must emulate the assiduity of the polyp that builds the coral reef i had anticipated this it was on my advice that you adopted a totally untutored lad a child of the people and i still maintain that i was right in giving you that advice how much better even though progress may at first be slow to have a boy like this to work upon a boy whose mind is not a palimpsest that has been scrawled over by other hands you have nothing to worry about it would have been perfectly easy no doubt for you to have adopted a son from some family of the gentlefolk but in my opinion and i know i am right the results would have been far less satisfactory horace is virgin soil he has not been ploughed by others sooner or later you will find that you will reap your reward sooner or later i say it confidently you will find that by the mere process of living in your home the little lad is beginning to imitate your mental processes to acquire your own tastes it's odd that you should say that said mr paradine thoughtfully not odd corrected the professor with a gentle smile i based my observation on a knowledge of psychology which has rarely led me astray but why did it strike you as peculiar am i to infer that he has already begun to show signs of this as a matter of fact he has it is a remarkable fact appleby but the only thing outside his meals in which horace shows the slightest interest is this library of mine the professor coughed a gentle cough and gazed at the ceiling with a far-away look in his eyes indeed he said softly he is always pottering in here and wanting to know which of my books are the rarest and most valuable the dawning intelligence the little mind begins to expand to develop like a plant groping out for the sunshine it makes me feel that there may be hope for him i said the professor have great hopes of horace i had right from the beginning perhaps after he has had a year or two of school in england what cried professor appleby a moment before it would have seemed impossible that anything could disturb the calm serenity of this venerable man 
but now he was sitting forward on the edge of his chair staring at his host in the most manifest concern his lower jaw had fallen and his white beard wobbled agitatedly you are not sending him to school in england he gasped taking him corrected mr paradine i am sailing in a few days to pay a long delayed visit to an old friend of mine sinclair hammond i intend to take horace with me and enter him at one of the large english schools possibly winchester hammond was at winchester but is this wise is it prudent well i am going to do it said mr paradine with a touch of that belligerent manner which had so often caused adverse comment in the family professor appleby pulled at his beard his discomposure was plain mr paradine looking at him was conscious of a passing wonder as to why he should take the news so hardly but the education a boy gets at these english schools surely it has become a commonplace that it is too superficial too machine-like read all these novels of the younger english writers i never read novels said mr paradine with a slight shudder and then again this visit to england are you not afraid to leave your books here your priceless books entirely unguarded mr paradine uttered an amused laugh which sounded to his visitor like a knell <laughs> you talk as if i had never left the house before i am always travelling i was travelling when i met you and besides if you think i leave my books unguarded try to get through the steel shutters over those windows yes and try to pick your way through that door i had this room specially constructed it's like a safe i see said professor appleby unhappily in any case my library is insured and i'm taking all the most valuable of my books with me to england eh cried the professor starting as if the fingers combing his beard had suddenly encountered a snake taking them with you yes hammond is a collector too he will be just as excited over these books as if they belonged to himself will he said the professor brightening like a summer sky when the sun comes out from behind a cloud will he indeed yes he's that sort of man one of those rare collectors who have no small jealousies he sounds delightful yes you would like hammond i am sure i should of course when you are in england you will keep these books at some bank or safe deposit no i see no reason for that books are not like jewellery their value is not obvious to the lay eye if any burglar invades hammond's house at wimbledon he would hardly have the intelligence to take away what to him would be merely a bundle of dilapidated books true i shall keep them in my bedroom in an ordinary suitcase an excellent notion ah said the professor breaking off here is our young friend well horace hello said that youth 
professor appleby glanced at his watch good gracious i had no idea how time had flown i ought to go immediately i shall just be able to catch a good train perhaps the little lad might be spared from his studies to accompany me to the station thank you get your hat then horace we must be hurrying in spite of the statement that he had need for haste it was at a leisurely pace that professor appleby started down the drive he walked as if troubled with corns and as he went spoke earnestly to his young companion kid said professor appleby it's a lucky thing i happened to look in this afternoon do you know what's happened that old june bug back there doesn't seem able to stick in one spot for a couple of days on end he's taken you over to england right away horace stopped in his tracks displaying as great a concern at the news as the professor himself had shown a short while back in the library taken me to england what for to put you in school over there who me yes you well wouldn't that jar you cried horace in deep disgust i might have known there was a catch to this thing of getting me adopted it's bad enough here with everybody picking on me and me having to spend all day learning french and everything but gee i'd always got my getaway to look forward to but going to school he frowned resolutely say listen i ain't going to no school see i ain't going to no school not in england nor anywheres i you talk too much said professor appleby curtly if you'll give me a chance to get a word in i'll tell you something you won't have to go to any school the old man's going over to england to visit another book-collecting nut and he's taken a stack of his best books with him you'll be able to make a quick clean-up and fade out he's going to keep the stuff in his bedroom in a suitcase yes he is said horace derisively that's likely ain't it when he locks the things up here as if they was gold dust he is i tell you he told me so himself he thinks there's no chance of anybody trying for them when he's there and why should they no ordinary yank who happens to blow into a house is going to load himself up with a bunch of books something in that agreed horace i'll have joe go over the same time as you do and you and he can get together and fix things all right said horace say that's a pretty girl the object of his commendation a slim girl with fair hair and a boyish figure was walking rather wearily up the road that led from the station he eyed her critically as she passed and so confirmed in his good opinion was he by this closer inspection that he stood gazing over his shoulder at her receding form and was awarded by his austere companion a disciplinary thump on the head you've no time for rubbering at girls said professor appleby like a minor prophet rebuking the sins of the people you just listen to me when i'm talking to you i want to get this thing straight in your ivory skull 
Oh, all right, said Horace. End of chapter 12, part 1